Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that love is an action, not a feeling. The Church of Ephesus had left their first love. The Greek literally says, your first love you have left. The word means to depart, to go, or to send away by willful abandonment. No one falls out of love. They choose to leave their love. Listen to Isaiah 29:13. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Having a lot of possessions is not necessarily a blessing from God. In fact, sometimes it's those things that get all our attention, not the Lord. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Revelation, Pastor Xavier takes us on a visit to the church at Ephesus, and it's here that we learn what happens when we put things before our love for God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And the message is entitled, The Loveless Church, Ephesus. As we begin our series of the seven churches, we will see the Lord's instructions, His warnings, His exhortations that He gives to His church. And hopefully when we come to the end of these seven messages, you will have no doubts what the Lord expects and demands of His church. By the way, you're the church, not the building. The believers are the church. When Jesus comes for the church, buildings aren't going to go up. It's people. But there's a lot of people that are going to remain, too, like buildings. The seven churches, as you know, represent four things. And they're very important as we move through them. You keep this in mind. They represent an actual local church in John's day, all seven of them. Secondly, they describe a period of history within the church history, and we'll see them. Thirdly, a type of congregation that can exist through the entire church age. From Pentecost to the Lord takes his church, and some extent even all the way to the tribulation, great tribulation. And then thirdly, and perhaps the most important for us individually, is that it speaks of a type of Christian in their personal relationship to God. And so you can judge yourself as a church and as a Christian, where you are. Are you Ephesian? Are you a Smyrna? Are you a Pergamum? Are you a Thyatiran? Are you a Philadelphia? Are you a Laodicean? Church or Christian? Now, if you've read the letters, you know that there is an obvious pattern to these seven letters. You have the proclamation, then the commendation, then you have condemnation, then you have the exhortation, and last of all, you have the application. And these are five easy divisions. You can break them up different ways, but this will outline it so that you can hang all these things on these hooks, okay? It'll help you understand. Now, all the churches are rebuked except for two. The suffering church, Smyrna, and the missionary church, Philadelphia. You see, when you are being persecuted or busy working for Christ, you don't have time to get caught up in yourself. Me, myself, and I, the trinity of darkness. Middle letter of sin, I. That's why the Mexicans say I, I, I all the time. <laughs> Interesting. So let us begin here with some historical information about the church of Ephesus. The name Ephesus means desirable. And how God makes us desirable in him. 
and what he is, not because there's anything desirable in each of us. We are desirable because we have trusted Christ. That's all. Now, the city of Pergamum was the capital, but Ephesus were recognized because of her location and influence, and the city was important due to its being an export center. Uh, caravans, landing ports of Rome were located at the mouth of the river uh, Caister with uh, a magnificent 35 feet wide street that lined itself with columns all the way from the harbor to the center of the city. Impressive. I've been there in 1995. I visited all seven churches, and Ephesus is one of the best preserved of all. It had running water, by the way. Uh, it had public toilets that were just incredible. A library, uh, just incredible stuff that, that is still there today. In all trade and travelers from the Caister and Meandering Valley, Galatia, the Euphrates, and Mesopotamia came to Ephesus. It was a highway to Rome. The city had a great deal of luxury, like theaters, baths, libraries, marvel-paced streets. I walked them. Incredible. Now, when you're a port city, you've got from A to Z. You go to port city, San Diego, you've got all kinds of traffic, people coming from all over. You've got a lot of money. You've got a lot of junk going on. When you've got people, you've got funkiness going on. Just the way it is. The city was the center of pagan superstition, highly religious. But religion doesn't mean you know God. There are many religious people in hell. In fact, the majority of people in hell are probably religious. <laughs> Very religious. Now, the church of Ephesus was founded by Paul in this second missionary journey in Acts 18 through 20. And as you know, uh, the Spirit forbade him to speak in um, Asia Minor in Acts 16.6. And then he saw a man of Macedonia vision. He says, come over and help us. He arrives at Philippi there in Acts 16. Lydia the, and other women are there at the river. There's not enough men for a, a synagogue, so they're there praying. She opens her heart. The Lord converts her. He casts a demon out of this young lady who's being used as a, as a fortune teller. And when they, all their gain is gone, they accuse him to the magistrate. They get thrown in jail. They uh, are beaten. And then uh, there's an earthquake, the jailer gets saved, and then they, he, I mean, just incredible. He moved on to Thessalonica, where Paul preached in the synagogue. He got too hot to handle, was there three weeks, so the Jews chased him out. They sent him to Berea. They found out he was a Berea. They went there and caused trouble. They sent him over to Athens. He was waiting for Silas and Timothy at Athens. They didn't come, so he went to Corinth. And then as he's there in Corinth, they came to him. And as he's there at Corinth, he met this couple, Achille and Priscilla, in Acts 18. And uh, they were uh, of the same trade as he was, a tent maker. And so they took up. And then when he left Corinth, he took them with him. And he left them at Ephesus as they stopped there. And he continued on to Jerusalem. In 19, Paul comes back in his third missionary journey. And there he establishes the church along with Achille and Priscilla. He spent three years in Ephesus, Acts 20, 31 tells us. Incredible ministry. A great open door, a factual door has been opened unto me, Paul says, in Ephesus. I have fought with men like beasts at Ephesus. <laughs> the religion of Ephesus was centered on Diana, the fertility goddess. Artemis, Diana, with her temple prostitutes. As you read Acts 19, uh, verse 19, many brought their sorcery books and they burned them as they turned to Christ. It was a great work of God in that city. In fact, the preaching of the gospel by Paul affected the religious commerce and Demetrius the silversmith began that riot because their craft was being affected. 
And nobody was buying the little statues of Dianas anymore and putting them on their chariots and horses and around their neck and their earrings and everything. I tell you, you want to become the enemy number one of the world or the society or your city or your neighborhood or your house, turn to Jesus. <laughs> Affect the old greenback. Touch people's wallet, the heart of America. And you will be confronted. Paul last met, as you know, with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, verse 29 through 30. He speaks specifically about being with them three years and that he knew that after his leaving that they would rise up and bring disciples to themselves and teach heresy. Now, when you read First and Second Timothy, that is now the fulfillment of it because he's writing about these heretics. Some of them were elders that he had been with, and they brought in destruction of heresy, saying the resurrection had passed, they had made shipwreck of the faith, everything else. And so Ephesus has a rich background, but it's the first church he addresses. And there was a great church at one time. Now it was a little different. This is the historical information about Ephesus, so you get a little background and you'll understand the letter better. Now watch first. Comes the proclamation to Ephesus in verse 1. The identity of the recipient of the letter is the angel of Ephesus, okay, to him. The word angel, as you know, means messenger, an envoy, one who is sent, a messenger from God. The context is very important. Is it an angel or is it a man? 186 times the word is used in the New Testament. 76 of those times are found in the book of Revelation. The majority of them do refer to supernatural beings that God created. But the most important thing to note, and not just take it generally, look at the context. The letters addressed to who? The seven churches, in this case Ephesus, and to the messenger. Now, if this was an angel, we don't have one instance of an angel preaching over a pulpit or reading a letter to a church. And if it's an angel, why would God give the message to Jesus, Jesus to his angel, his angel to John, and John to the churches? John would give it back to the angel? Well, why didn't they just stop it after Jesus gave it to his angel? So the context dictates that this is to the pastor, to the leaders of each church. The name of the church, Ephesus, means desirable. She was desirable because Christ was in her. He was a cornerstone. He was everything. In fact, the word church, ecclesia, comes from two words, ek, out of, and kaleo, to call. They were those who had been called out of the world of darkness into the kingdom of God, just like you, just like I. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior, then you're in the kingdom of darkness. You need to come out of the world and understand you're a sinner, that he can cleanse you and give you hope for the kingdom of God. He's addressing saints. Either you're a saint or you're an ain't. One of the two. There's nothing in between. Now, the church was an evangelical church, and without doubt, the seven churches probably came out of this church of Ephesus. Paul was very effective. In fact, we are told in Colossians 1, 6 and 23 that the gospel was preached to the whole world in Asia Minor. What an incredible statement. The church was probably one of the biggest churches. The church had an excellent teacher, Paul. Secondly, Timothy. Third, John the Beloved in his old age after he comes back from the island of Patmos. And then after him, Polycarp. So a church is not always bad because of the teaching. 
It can be because of the lack of obedience, self-centeredness. The church historically occupies a year 30 to 100 A.D., the apostolic church. Now, the church represents the first generation that is moving into the second generation. The command notice to write is repeated to every church, if you've read all the letters, by an imperative command. And by the way, Jesus is the one who's addressing. Okay? Everything he says, he's all-knowing, he's all-present, he's all-powerful. Now, notice the identity of the writer is Jesus. The words of Jesus are, are his. Though John is the instrument and the Holy Spirit is the agent, it is still the words of Jesus. He says, these things says. The chain of command, we've already noted it. Now, two characteristics identify Jesus Christ by his own words. Notice, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the right hand speaks of authority and power to rule. He's glorified. He's exalted. He is on the throne. He's waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool, according to Psalm 110.1. The mystery of the seven stars is explained by Jesus himself. We've seen this in chapter 1, verse 20. We're not left to ourselves. People, oh, the book of Revelation is so hard to understand. Ooh, I, no, 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 it's easy to understand. God knows we're dumb, so he gave us all the answers. Real simple. Stick to the answers. Remember like that cheap book at, at school? You had the problems in the front, the answers in the back, and they said, don't look in the back, but I know you didn't. Liars. Okay? Now, do what you did in high school. Cheat. Look. Look for the answers. All right? Look at the word holes. When it's used in the genitive case, the Greek scholars tell us, it expresses a part of the hole that you are holding. But in the accusative case, as here, it means that the whole object is being gripped. In this context, the church is to be under his control. But he doesn't force himself upon anybody, right? The being held on to by his control is voluntary. Notice he who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Secondly, the activity of walking speaks of observance. Penetrating awareness of all that goes on. Nothing is hidden from him. And in spite of this, I'm, a, I'm amazed at the things that go on in the church of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be in, in adultery relationships. Some of you take drugs. Some of you still party, party, and chug down. And you come to church, and you say you're born again. Listen well to what Jesus says. Very, very important. Listen, Jesus said... By their fruits you shall know them. Matthew 15, 20. How are we doing? How are the apples and oranges? You got good fruit? Hmm. By the way, the backdrop is the Lord's coming. Chapter 1, verse 8. He closed the book in chapter 2. I come quickly. All these letters, the backdrop is, you'll be looking for me. I can come anytime. This was the proclamation to Ephesus. Pretty straightforward. Now notice... The commendation of Ephesus in verse 2, 3, and 6. First in verse 2, Jesus knew what they were doing in the present and what they had done in the past. Nothing escapes him, as we've said. The word to know is oida, and you know that means intuitive knowledge. He understands and perceives. He doesn't have to learn anything. You and I have to learn. God doesn't have to learn. The work is expressed as that which they had been occupied in undertaking to do. So they were a very busy church. They were just going here. There were committees here and there were missionary works here and they were doing this outreach over here and, and man, they're just you know, four or five services. They were packed out. 
Their labor refers to their passion and their toil to the point of exhaustion. Their love is real. At least it was at first. Their inability to bear those who are evil. That's a great mark. The word bear means to receive, to tolerate, or to support evil people. One of the dangers of a church after a while is to kind of turn their ear and their head and their eyes away from the evil. And let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about sin too much over the pulpit. Let's not address people. Let's, we don't, no, no, no. If you're a good parent, you nail your kid. You understand? Pastors don't want to confront today. They don't want to offend. Now, the pulpit should not be a place to offend people. But as you preach the gospel, people are offended. That's just the way it is. You have to deal with your sin. Notice their commitment was always to test those who said they were apostles. That's a great attribute. What a commendation. They were, they were pretty good. The word tested, as you know, means to try or to scrutinize or to discipline. First uh, John 4, 1, try the spirits that are come. They're not everybody confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. First Thessalonians 5, 21, test all things. Being a poor city, many deceivers came in, transforming themselves into angels of light, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 23. He found them liars, not lined up with the scriptures. Everything is open and naked to whom we have to do with. In chapter 1, he's the revealer. Hebrews 4, 13, his eyes are flame like fire. That's what he says. Nothing escapes him. Whatever is done in secret will be rewarded openly, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6. Listen to the words of Jesus. Everyone who forsakes father, mother, brother, sister, house, lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Matthew 19, 29. So often we, see, we seek for the things. We think the things is it. People get caught up with things, and those things take them away from God. Be careful. Hold on to them real loose so when he takes them out, you're not screaming like a baby with his rattle in his hand. I have found that when God takes something from me, he always replaces it with something much, much better. So just hang loose. Be a good steward. Appreciate all you have. Live content. But hang on to it loosely. <laughs> Notice verse 3. Jesus knew what they had done was out of the right motive. For his name's sake, they had persevered. For his name's sake, they had patience. For his name's sake, they had labored to the point of exhaustion. For his name's sake, they had not become weary. And there's a play on words here between this verse and the previous one. They were able to bear the exhaustive toil of ministry in his name while not bearing those who were evil. That's good. <laughs> the word weary means to faint. And it represents the past of the present, the tenses, and the perfect. Commendable. So they were not faint-hearted in the work. But the motive has to be love, 1 Corinthians 13. If I have all money and if I give my body to be burned and whatever it is, if I don't have agape love, it's useless. It's nothing. Whatever is not done in the motive of love is absolutely nothing. It's worthless. It's a crispy critter. We're going to go before the beamer seat of Christ and God is going to test the motives of why we did the things we did. Not how much we did. And even though everything gets consumed, we'll be saved as by fire because we're saved by grace or faith. But we'll have no reward. Why? Because I wanted the glory here. I wanted people to look at me. I wanted people to know it was me. They want to know. Here I am. I'm going to give $1,000. Hey, you got your reward. Somebody give them an applaud. Interesting. 
Notice Jesus knew what they hated, too, in verse 6. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, there are many different views regarding the Nicolaitans, but we don't know too much about them. So if you read a big, fat book about the Nicolaitans, he probably doesn't know very much. He's just making it up, okay, because there's not much that we know. Some of these things are just out of our ability to know. Um, we can look at the word, and the word is made up of two words. The first one, nekoa, which means conquer or to conquer. The second, laos, means people. And so the most obvious meaning is the conquering of the people. So it's believed that it was a setting up of some hierarchy over the people. And this is not hard to believe because that's what the word says. And we know people. You know you. I know me. And we love to rule. We love to control, right? We have the same system today through priests and cardinals and bishops and popes and all kinds of stuff, right? The church history is an embarrassment. <laughs> you got good dentists, you got bad dentists. You got good pastors, you got bad pastors. Your responsibility is to find the good one and attend there. But not forsake the good because of the bad. Because well, I don't want to go to church, a lot of hypocrites there. Well, not everybody's a hypocrite. Go to church and pray for the hypocrites. If not, you're going to spend eternity with hypocrites. All of them. Uh, but we do know they wanted to control people, and that's always the case. Now, don't mistake control over people from pastors running the church scripturally, okay? There's a big difference. We submit to the scriptures. Men do not control us. We submit to the scriptures. The heretical sect was a real danger to the church. This is not a hypothetical situation. In fact, the sect opposed, uh, was opposed here by the church of Ephesus, but... It was tolerated by the church of Pergamos in chapter 2, verse 15. They embraced it. Look at what's being embraced today in the church. You've got all kinds of junk. You've got people flying around like birds. You've got people barking like dogs. You've got people laughing in the spirit. Jesus says, walk in the spirit. Where does this stuff come from? How do we embrace that Jesus went down to hell and paid the price to Satan rather than to God? And that he suffered for the atonement in hell? Why do thousands of people embrace this doctrine from Benny Hinn and the rest of the quote-quote false prophets? <laughs> the Christian community has no sense of discernment because they don't study the Word of God. It doesn't mean that you're, you're arrogant. It doesn't mean that you're bold. It means that you're truthful. It means that you know what the Bible says. You understand? This was the commendation of Ephesus. So they were good. But next comes the condemnation in verse 4. There were some bad things. The church of Ephesus had left their first love. There it is. The Greek literally says, your first love you have left. The word means to depart, to go, or to send away by willful abandonment. No one falls out of love. They choose to leave their love. You can fall out of lust, but not out of love. Listen to Isaiah, and Jesus quoted him. Isaiah 29, 13, and Matthew 15, 7 through 8. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. If you this morning are here, and you say you love Jesus, but you're involved in all kinds of junk, then you fit the scripture. With your lips, you say you love Jesus. With your life, you deny Him. Now, none of us are perfect, but we don't live where we used to be, you understand? I don't run around the way I used to. It's been 30 years. But you know what? 
If I choose to, I can pick up right now. I'm a good sinner. My sin nature is ready to go. So I have to walk in the Spirit. Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that our devotion to the Lord begins in our heart. And you can request a copy of today's important study from the book of Revelation called The Loveless Church, Ephesus. It's available on CD for just $4. And this is one message you'll want to share with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. So the title to ask for once again is The Loveless Church, Ephesus. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. For many years, the number one selling book has been the Bible. But why isn't the Word of God impacting our society? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he takes us on a visit to the church at Ephesus. That's right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com. 